Our Old Testament reading comes from the book of Daniel, Prophet Daniel. At the, we start um, chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Daniel, the first chapter, 18 through 21. Listen to the word of the Lord. At the end of the time that the king had set for them to be brought in, the palace master brought them into the presence of Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among them all, no one was found to compare with Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they were stationed in the king's court. In every matter of wisdom and understanding concerning which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel continued there until the first year of King Cyrus. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter, the 28th verse. And it reads as follows. Listen to and for the word of the Lord. By this time they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, Stay the night with us, since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. The word of the Lord. He just disappeared in front of them. Poof, disappeared. This morning, I would like to introduce a new uh, uh, a series of messages that will carry us through the days between Jesus' resurrection and the days in which Jesus ascended into heaven, into the days that the Father and the Son sent the Holy Ghost called the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. So this series is going to be dealing with bridges. And it was fascinating because in Scripture, as I was studying, there was not one single reference to a bridge. No, not one. Couldn't find it in Aramaic, couldn't find it in Hebrew, couldn't find it in Greek. Oh, find it in Latin on Pontus, but it was not even in Scripture, it was more in tradition. But bridges are fascinating. I like bridges. Maybe because I come from a place with water, but I like bridges. Now, some bridges are built with purposes. Look at this bridge on the screen. Do you think that bridge was built with a purpose? Yes, it was. Yes, it was built with an actual purpose. Actually, when the, built was, when the bridge was built, the river went under the bridge. Yeah. You know what happened was that in 1985, Hurricane Marilyn wreaked havoc with Honduras. That bridge is in Honduras. That hurricane was so devastating, it was Category 5, that it literally changed the course 
of the river. That's a real, a real story. Uh, some of you have been in the vision team have seen this before. Because it is our metaphor on how at, at a time the church used to be the bridge over troubled waters. But now the water has changed and the church has stayed behind. And we need to relocate that bridge to where the waters are at. But I still love bridges. I'm not going to get into that discussion. But I still love bridges. And bridges actually connect people between one and the other. Bridges actually go over huge spams of, of ocean. There is one close to where I live, and, and it's, not the, it's not that Golden Gate. Uh, by the way, the other one was the Mackinac Bridge. But look at this one. This one is the Seven Mile Bridge on the Keys. Lovely place to hang out. Not for Eleanor. She's saying, no, not me. <laughs> now I want to take her there because I want to get her rid of me. You know, free from that fear now. <laughs> I don't have time for that. But bridges are exciting. They actually connect point A to point B. They bring things together. Actually, in some places, perhaps unfortunately, bridges, instead of bringing things together, they're actually barriers. They are dividers, like in borders. And I'm talking about, not talking about the bookstore. In borders, bridges divide people. Like perhaps Thousand Island Bridge up in Canada and the ones in Eagle Point in Mexico divides people. They don't allow to come together. But bridges also, sometimes they, they are scary. And you have a point, Eleanor, Bridges can be scary because when you're in one side of a bridge and you don't know what's on the other side of that bridge, how do we tend to react? With fear, with doubt, with trepidation, and, and, and I don't want to go. Actually, there was a bridge in my youth that has a big memory. It is a hanging bridge over a river, and it was at the Boy Scout camp. It was one of those rope things that you walked on the whole thing. And, of course, we're eight, nine years old, and this is what we like to do in the bridge to see if it holds us. Well, I was fishing when guys were doing that, and I was bouncing. I didn't have any issue with the guys doing that on the bridge. The problem was what I caught. I caught a, a sweetwater eel. And that thing didn't come up with the, it came up the string. And the uh, cane, along with everything else, went down the stream. That was, those, that's my fishing story. And I'm sticking to it. That's it. But bridges can, be, can create a lot of uncertainty, especially if you're confronted with a bridge that you don't know where it's heading. And uncertainties come up. Not only uncertainties, but on, you know, a bridge that we don't know exactly where it's heading, it creates a sense of unpredictability. We kind of lose control at that moment. We don't have full control as we go through that bridge. It may be a disease. It may be a sickness. It may be a challenge financial. It may be a relationship. It may just be your next task at work. It may be your next few months of risk-taking as you go through that bridge. And bridges are also mysterious. Because we don't know always if they're going to take us to the place we think we're going. But guess what? 
Guess what? The fact that life becomes unpredictable, it happened to other people. You see, Daniel, in our first story that Dr. Niagara read, Daniel was a prince in the courts of Israel. Oh, he had it good, guys. He had it good. He had servants. Mm-hmm. I need my hands washed. He was very intelligent and very bright because he was educated in all the wisdom of Israel, along with other guys. He had it made. He had the food, the best food of the kingdom were presented to the royal families of the courts of Israel. The best of the best was given to them. But Daniel, one day, in about one day, Daniel's life shifted from certainty, from royalty, from total control over his life, and being the administrator and having the power to determine his life, it changed all of a sudden when they ended up in captivity. People say that all of the people of Israel were taken into captivity. No, 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 no. Not all the inhabitants of the land were taken into captivity to Babylon. Only about 10,000 of them were taken because the tradition of these conquering kings was not to take the riffraff of the land. I guess we all stayed. (laughs) Yeah. They only took the royalty. They only took the intellect of that country. They took the prince, the princesses. They took the wisdom of the country. And that was the best way to destroy a people. You take their intelligence away. You take their leaders away. You take their future away. And they were put into the courts. And when we catch with the story, Daniel has already been facing some trials and some tribulation because he ain't going to eat what the king served him. He's going to only eat what he is accustomed to eat according to the dietary rules of his own people. And there's a test. And when we catch up the story, the end, the result of the test were given. Oh, for 10 days, the, the, the princes of Israel ate only the food from their diet. And the other soothsayers of Babylon ate the other stuff. And after 10 days, that's where we find the story. They were found better. They were found healthier. They were found in better state than any other individual in the land. So from their certain life, he had to deal with boy, he had to deal with lions. And not from the other side of the fence. Inside with them. So how did Daniel responded to uncertainty? He had a certain future. It was planned. It was taken away. Now he needed to survive four different kings. Two different kingdoms. Babylon and Assyria. And yet he decided to trust and to have faith in one simple story. A promise that after 70 years, they would be released. He had a promise. He was able to have faith and trust because he had a promise. Likewise, my friends, in the second story that we have, we have a couple going from Jerusalem, now going to Emmaus. I say a couple because this was a man and a woman, two disciples, 
Oh, the tradition say was two male disciples, but Esther, if you look, in the narrative, it tells us that the man's name was Gamaliel. It was something with a G. And then we find Mary, the wife of this same guy, in John 19 at the feet of the cross of Jesus. Interesting. So this couple is going out to, away from Jerusalem. Their dreams have been dashed away. They thought they had a kingdom in their hand with Jesus as the king of Israel. He had been taken. They thought they had it wrapped up, that the Romans were beat. And yet, their leader was taken, crucified, and buried. They're going home, frustrated. Their business venture failed. Their ideas for a better life have dashed away. What they thought was certain had now become uncertain. And they were probably going home afraid. And in the middle of their walk, a stranger, which is even worse, because in those days, strangers on the road was not a welcome company. A stranger in the road may be watching to kill you, sizing you up to rob you, checking you out to do you harm. That was more common then. So a stranger passes them, but they decide. Oh, and even the stranger is even weirder because they, the stranger comes in and talks to them and says, what are you guys talking about? And the disciples reply, are you the only one who doesn't know what's happening in Israel? Red flag. Where's this guy coming from? He doesn't know what's been happening in town? Huh. More suspicious even. But they decided to walk along with a stranger. They decided to trust they decided to build a bridge with a stranger. But the stranger, the stranger people, the stranger was no stranger because even when, when they had the stranger in front of their home, they said, would you stay with us? Eat with us. They were hospitable. They opened not only their space to walk on the street, but they opened their home to be with them. Not only the home, but they also opened the table to sit with them. So these two disciples in Emmaus, they trusted. They decided to have the faith before uncertainty. You see, because when we are faced with uncertainty in life, we have two choices. We can fret, fear, and freak out. Or we can respond in faith. We can respond in trust. Because in whom is driving the car. I fear when I see those slogans in the car, bumper stickers, says, God my co-pilot. I don't want God as my co-pilot. I want God as my pilot. I don't want to carry my own cross. I can carry my own cross. But when I get there, it's insufficient anyway. So it is Jesus who lays himself down for us 
to cross that bridge. So they trusted. They invited him. And Jesus became real to them in front of their eyes and disappeared. They even did the undoable. They did the unthinkable. They actually were so excited to have found Jesus in their midst right in front of them. that In the middle of the dark, they walked out. They ran for almost three miles back to Jerusalem to the upper rental room, party room that the disciples had. And there they told them, the Lord is alive. He appeared to us. And Peter tells them, Yes, he is alive indeed. He has appeared to us also. My question to you this day is, when you are confronted before bridges, what is your reaction? You see, because bridges, even though they present uncertainty, they also present an opportunity. They also present a way of God. They also present us with growth in grace and in faith. What do you think? Shall we build bridges out of light of hope into our community? I thought this is one of the ways with this silly little thing. It's silly. But it can mean a great deal for a student to see a, a sock, a wind sock, with perhaps Milford Academy or Milford School, Sanders Elementary. And he knows that those people who own that tree out there care for me. See, when we build bridges... We are following Jesus who is the bridge builder because he died so that we all can become one. When we build bridges in the face of uncertainty, we must respond in faith because it is then in faith that God pours out God's power. Jesus put it in this way. Hmm, Think about it. Jesus put it in this way. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. For whoever wants to save their life, you want to control? You want to be in control of your life? You want to control every single aspect of your life? We would like to, but we know we can't. And if you struggle and you fret to control, you're losing it. But whoever loses their life for me Jesus said, you will find it. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for bridges. Sometimes they're scary, sometimes they're fun. We ask you, O Lord, that as we discuss and we study your purpose, your mighty purpose for building a community out of many peoples, for building a community out of people who are experiencing all sorts of stuff in life. People who have different backgrounds, who have different expectations, people who are just different. And you insist in making us one. We thank you, O God, for your mercy. We thank you, O God, for your grace. We thank you, O God, for being our God, for reigning in our lives. No matter the bridges, no matter the uncertainties, may we trust in you 
O God, who reigns above all heavens. Through Christ our Lord. Amen and amen.